0: All right, what's up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Texan Overtime Podcast. I'm Donald Smoot and today we got everybody who's still left at the Daily Texan and some people who aren't there anymore. And so uh, we still have, you know, we got a couple people that we got to introduce. And so first up, we got, uh, we got Ross, right? What's up,
1: Donovan? Uh, my name is Ross Burkhard. Uh I'm a former sports editor and associate
2: managing editor at the Texan.
1: Uh, I've been gone for a while, but I'm very thankful to be back here in virtual form.
2: Um, I'm Maya Taylor. Um, I'm very much a current staff member, um, and I cover the women's basketball team.
3: I'm Marcus Crum. I'm the current sports editor. My name's Steven
4: Wagner. Uh, I'm the men's basketball beat writer, or I was the men's basketball beat writer. I don't know. There's not really sports anymore, so.
5: Um, Alex Presenio, uh, associate sports editor. Been here probably like three years too long. Um,
0: yeah. I bet. So, I'm. Um, it's been a while since I've since you know I've talked to all of you guys and since we've had a chance to top it up. Um, our icebreaker today, um, obviously the only – Good sports content like that's consistent in our lives right now is the last dance and that ten part documentary and that you know that whole thing and so obviously I'm assuming that everybody's seen it. I know Alex has been um behind everybody somehow and just hasn't seen it, but for those who have been up to date and have seen it what are what are your favorite episodes and so I guess we can start with with Ross, which is.
1: Uh, I think the uh, the first two, the first night that they had with episodes one and two, were crazy. Because like personally me, like I think that we see so much from the two three peats that like you don't see a lot of like Jordan's rookie season and like those earlier seasons, especially and like those crazy highlight reels. They had such good music. And I think the first, the first and the second episode were pretty good. I mean, three and four were good too, but I liked the first weekend a lot.
2: Yeah, I gotta agree with Ross. I liked the first weekend a lot too. It was cool seeing Jordan pre Bulls. I thought it was kind of funny that they said that like the Bulls were like a walking cocaine circus or whatever they said. That was really interesting because it established That's that they what really <laughs> Margie,
0: yeah. what Yeah, I
3: I liked episode three a lot. Um, just the 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 bad boys Pistons was that that was such a great episode of like. First of all, Isaiah Thomas's like interview was awesome, and Jordan's reaction to, to that, where they're talking about like them walking off the court early, that was like one of the best documentary moments I've seen in a while. And then just like the whole lead up with the the Bad Boys Pistons, as far as you know them beating Jordan, um, as a uh, as a member of the Clutch Sports community, I think that was just a, a great display of come uh, on, just how great. LeBron is in comparison to uh next you know what Steven, your that,
5: you bring up a great point. I think the icebreaker should have been would LeBron have won ten straight if he mm-hmm. played in the nineties? No. And I think the answer is yes.
2: I <laughs> it has to be yes. <laughs> see, I don't think so. to the
3: to the plumbers to <laughs> come on the Washington okay, Generals so we do this
0: every we do this every generation and then the people are just like oh they played after they played against plumbers. it's first off stop it right is is lebron going to be great of course but he's not the goat he's not he's not it's, it's, it's that simple thank it's you white. thank you Johnny. i think you have to i think you have to pull the jordan
4: card on this and say that every generation is going to have its own greatest just because of the different styles of play you know, you say, you know, oh, well, you know, can Steph Curry or Kevin Durant play in the 90s? Can Michael Jordan uh, or Magic Johnson play today? I mean, you know, these are two different styles of basketball. They're very –
2: I've always said it's unfair to compare. Because even, like, as people, like, as humans, we're progressing. We're getting bigger, faster, stronger. Like, it's unfair. Yeah, exactly.
3: And that's why pass. LeBron yeah, – yep. right. LeBron- Exactly. You're, you're
2: proving my – me- But it's about greatness. It's about greatness. It's like LeBron's Look. great, but, like, was he as great?
5: If you break yeah. it down, I mean, Michael Jordan's just a poor man's DeMar DeRozan if he plays in 2020.
3: That's a great point. Thank you. That's, I mean. I mean. Is he? Is he averaging 20 a game? Maybe. Probably not.
0: I mean, DeRozan. Mike's 20. averaging 40. Mike, no. it's it's not even a question. He's averaging 40. He's averaging like 48 and 10. It's it's ridiculous.
4: Joe Burrow said he would drop 12 or 15. So come on.
0: And Joe Burrow's wrong at that, too. <laughs> he's, not, he's not dropping 12 or 15. Like, relax, kid. Relax. But Mike is Mike – is Wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa,
5: whoa. Did you call him kid? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you call a, him kid? A, yes, because it's a childish statement. <laughs> it's a childish like, statement.
5: Was he a grad? How, was he a fifth year? Was this last yeah. year his
2: fifth
0: year? Yeah, he's a
5: fifth year. Yeah, he's, he's old, man.
2: Not like like
5: Brandon Whedon, but like
2: old There was like some stat. I mean, granted, like Lamar went in early, but there was like something about like, oh, Joe Burrow's older than Lamar.
5: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's a good point. I forgot about that.
0: Anyway. Speaking of the draft,
5: I'll let Donnie do it.
0: I I call him kid. No, no, go ahead. You got it. (laughs) All right. Don't
5: cut that. Speaking of the draft, guys. um...
4: Oh, I liked episode three, by the way. The third round? That's all I had that's to say. All right, now
5: you know. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I
4: thought
5: you were talking about the third round of the draft because that's when Texas players finally started getting picked.
4: Yeah, yeah, the third uh, round of the draft, episode three.
5: Is it an overreaction? Thank you, thank you. Uh, is it an overreaction to say that um, Texas is not good at developing talent? No. Not at all, no.
2: I remember Urban Meyer said that, like, back in November. Like he was That was awesome. Yeah, he was talking about, like, how we have all of these great recruits and then, like, nothing to show for it. Like, nothing.
5: They haven't had a first-round pick since 2015. I think that was Malcolm Brown. Yeah, and he was a 32nd pick. <laughs> they, they,
3: until this draft, they hadn't had two offensive players selected since 2010 when it was um, Colt McCoy and uh, Shipley
4: and even then they weren't first round picks you know i think right. Cole McCoy was what like a late were, third rounder to they, the brand. they were
3: both yeah they were both third round picks or maybe second round but either way here's the
5: next question how was tcu so bad this year
3: they, had, they they kept getting guys drafted and defensive players too it was astounding it was like where like who are these guys and how did they not win more games
4: tcu led the big 12 in first-team all-Big 12 selections and went five and seven.
0: They hey, didn't do
4: first-team selections in anyone and went five and seven.
0: That's just bad coaching, if you ask me. I'm that's, not
4: sure how much you can I got Harry Patterson, you know, given the given what he's made – TCU, I mean, you know, obviously there had to be, you know, like some issues that we just weren't being aware of, you know, whether it was chemistry or maybe a toxicity or for whatever reason players not clicking or bad play calling or whatever, but, you know, for, you know, for everything that Gary Patterson has done, you know, well for that program, exceptionally well building them up from a program that really wasn't anything before he arrived to occasionally being a Big Twelve or a national competitor, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure if it's fair to put the blame on Gary Patterson like it was fair to put the blame on Mac Brown. Ah, uh,
2: uh, uh, <sighs> Mac
5: Brown, man.
2: <laughs> okay.
5: okay. Well, I had a question. Um, how long before we can blame Tom Herman for this? It's. I'd say what another year. So I at could, this time yeah. next year.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. At, yeah. At this, at this time next year, if they still, they still haven't developed anybody to, um, to be in one of those first two rounds, it's it's on him. You know, I mean, these these are the kids that he's that he's bringing in. These are the other players that that he's developing in his system and everything. And if he can't, if he can't get them to a certain level, even with all these changes, it's on him.
3: I yeah, I would say you maybe give him till next year, especially with like the timing of his higher like that first recruiting class was not his best. Yeah. And so but I think I mean this year you gotta start producing some more talent. And
2: I mean that I think
3: that next year is is really the the marker.
4: Their best prospect right now is probably Sam Cosme, right? Like he's got the he's probably got the best chance of being a first rounder.
5: Oh, they they had two projected in the first round recently. Yeah.
4: Uh, I mean, if you're looking at like their
1: most High upside guys right now, like you have to think this time next year, you're going to be looking at Cosme and Asai. Probably well, Asai still has. Oh, yeah, he's gonna be a junior, yeah. He's going to be a junior. I mean, depending on like what he wants to do, obviously, and um, I mean, how he fits into the new scheme, but potentially, I mean, like, Caden's
3: Caden's...
5: yeah, I think Caden, Caden was the, if he the has, second one.
3: I, th- I think he'd have to have a pretty outstanding year to to warrant that, but.
5: I think he's yeah.
3: definitely healthy.
5: In the, in the 2021 mock-ups, the two projected first-rounders are Cosme from Bleacher Report, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, Sports Illustrated, and Sporting News. And then Caden was the projected first-round from Fox Sports.
4: Hmm. I think Caden's draft stock depends more than, you know, really any player on this roster right now and just his ability to play healthy, you know. He's been really amazing when he's been on the field. But, yeah, you know, the thing that's dragged on his career right now have just been injuries.
5: I didn't have a follow-up question, sorry.
0: Donnie? Yeah, I, I didn't. My bad. I, I am mean, being harassed, <laughs> I zoned out for, like, two seconds. <laughs> My bad. But, no, like, on a, on, on the idea of, of Kaden, like, I'm completely with you. Because it's – I mean, last season was just weird because he just couldn't – he couldn't stay on the field. And so he has that, like, that breakout year. And so what – for for Caden, what do you think the ceiling is next year? And then – and then I just want to go quarterback. What do you guys think the ceiling for Sam is next year?
4: Want to start with Caden first? Yeah. I mean, I, you yeah, know, I, I think the – I think the ceiling for Caden really isn't comparable to, you know uh, – a lot of other Texas great safeties that we've seen in the past, um, you know, like uh, Michael Huff or uh, Earl Thomas or uh, Kenny Vaccaro or any of those guys, because, you know, Caden really isn't the same athletically speaking as these guys. But where Caden, you know, really stands out is his football IQ. You know, the, You know, it's apparent that when he was in high school, you know, he didn't always have to be – the most athletic guy on the field because he was just going to be smarter than everybody else. I mean, you know, like that's where he's made his money through his first couple of seasons is just being able to know where he needs to be and when he needs to be there.
3: Yeah. I, th- I think the other issue with Caden is Alex, you've talked about this before, how he's really never been injured before. And so like the, the mental aspect of like returning from a pretty serious injury, I think definitely took a, pretty big toll on this last season for him and so this this next year is going to be like can he return from that and become the player that
5: people expected him to be by by this point in his career it seems like he kind of broke it and we've talked about this before it seems like he kind of broke out of it toward the end of the season especially playing in the Alamo bowl in his hometown um and so i think that was huge for him to kind of end that year i mean that's probably what is probably the toughest series he ever had to play through um and so, I mean, I think if he's as recovered as it seems like he is, I do think that this will be a really big year for him. That, I mean, it'll look more like how he looked freshman year than what we saw sophomore year. Because, I mean, comparing the two players from 2018 to 2019 is just like – that. You, it's hard to see the similarities. And so, um, I do think 2020 is going to be a pretty big year for him. It's just going to be a matter of staying healthy or if they play football, who knows.
0: Yeah, Ross. What do you think about, about Sam's potential next year?
1: I mean, I think in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, like you have a quarterback who's like gonna be learning a new offense right now um, under Urisic. But I mean, I think it seems like once again the way that um, we thought Sam was gonna have like the opportunity to like step up and be the clear cut like front runner as the best quarterback in the Big Twelve this last year. I mean, he virtually has the same opportunity to do that again. Like, I mean, he is at the top of the class in the conference and he's got um, somehow, I mean, surprisingly, I mean, with the addition of Tariq Black from Michigan, um, I mean, he's got a pretty good looking receiving core um, despite just losing Colin Johnson and DuVernay to the draft. Um, I mean, so he's got the skills. You're moving Jordan Whittington back to wide receiver. Um, and then you've got, a, I mean, a talented running back room. I mean, like we said, Cosme, I mean, he could even be a first round pick this next year. I mean, so the offense is there. Um, I mean, it looks like you've got a lot of good defensive returners, which is going to help him. So as long as they're not going to need to score like 40 points a game to stay in it, um, I mean, then I think you've got like a really strong year for him and probably likely his best season considering the tools that he's got around him.
0: Yeah. Maya, what do you think that the – what what should the expectations be for the team as a whole and, and for Sam going into next year? Big 12 championship. I mean a, – a, a win or, or – a, a win. I yeah.
2: mean, they've been trying to do. Like, that's like Tom Herman's thing. Like, we're going to win a Big 12 championship, and they failed to do that. I mean, they got there in 2018. But basically just getting past Oklahoma um, – I don't know. We just
3: got to do that twice in a season, not just once. I Yeah, I have a question for anybody who wants to answer this one. How do you think the, the offensive weapons compare um, this next year from last year, especially after getting Treat Black from Michigan? But you're losing, I mean, the, the two absolute safety blankets in Colin Johnson and Devin DuVernay, who I think honestly went – Almost underrated for for their career because they just didn't make mistakes.
4: I think Here's a, you're taking a step in the right direction as long as you have Sam at the helm of this offense. You know, having Sam Millinger is always going to give you a chance, regardless of the guys who are surrounding you.
5: Here's the thing, like Colin Johnson. I mean, he's great, but he was he played seven games, and that's how I look at it as far as comparing the two offenses. You had. I mean, Devin Duvernay just balled out all season. Um, and, I mean, when Colin Johnson was there, he was great. And he just takes up so much of the defense's attention. Um, but now, I mean, if everybody's healthy, and Ross kind of mentioned everybody that they're going to have, you're going to have Sam in the back, you're going to have Keontae, um, Roshan, and then you're moving Jordan Wellington out to wide receiver, and then Bijan. I mean, it's just – and that's not even taking into account the receivers they have with Black and Brennan Eagles and um, – I keep wanting to say Jordan Shipley. It's <laughs> not Jordan Shipley. Uh Jake Smith. God damn. <laughs> not racist at all.
0: But he's white now we get it. Two two white boys it's all good.
5: Um I mean, and then I assume they're gonna move um they're gonna move Derek Kersetter to center. And so I mean they are shaping up to have I would say I don't want to say better because that's bold with Devin and Colin leaving, but I don't think it's going to be that significant of a drop-off, if it is at all. Like, I'd be willing to say that they have potential to be a lot more productive next year.
4: I think that the heart and soul of Texas's production rests solely between Sam and his offensive line. You, know, you look at the games where Sam played you know, like really well last year, like against LSU, whenever he had that stellar – uh, when we had that game early on, you know, his offensive line was able to give him, you know, really awesome protection in that game. You look at their win against, the, look at their win over Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, you know, they had 200 plus rushing yards in that game. You know, as as long as the offensive line plays well, this is going to have a chance. And yeah, you know, th- this is that this is a really experienced offensive line. I mean, you know, Kerstetter has been one of those mobile guys who's moved around quite a bit, but. He has, but he, you know, he has shown ability to play center whenever he needs to. You know, he's pretty versatile on the line. He did back up Shackelford last year, so you know, I, I think that it rests almost entirely on Sam and the and that offensive line.
2: I think you make a pretty good point because I remember even with like the, the Oklahoma game, Sam took like a total beating. Like it was. It was awful. And then, like, I feel like in the games after that, it was constantly like, oh, he gets sacked, like, numerous times a game. And they typically, like, either, like, were holding on by a threat or they lost those games, so.
4: And you'll notice that in those games, you know, against Oklahoma, Roshan went off. You know, Roshan had that, you know, 50-plus yard run that Texas literally hadn't had in, I think, two years prior to that under Herman. And, uh, you know, the wide receivers played pretty well. You know, Duvernay played well. You know, Colin was injured, but whatever he was able to do, Colin played well. But Sam just took such a physical beating. And whenever you run this spread type of offense, if you can't drop back and throw the ball or even, you know, run the ball consistently, uh, that's just – your production just stalls. You know, everything rests on that offensive line.
5: They have to win – the Big 12 Championship, right? I, I agree with Maya. Like, if you're not going to do it right now, then when are you going to do it? Sam's gone. By, like. by have
3: to, are we talking job security, or you just mean as far as meeting expectations?
5: I don't think – I think if they get there, the job security is fine. But as far as expectations, I think, you know, Herman's going to have a lot of questions answered if, if he's not winning the Big 12 Championship in December. I
1: mean, the the first year is tough, like, coming into the new team like that. But if you give them three more years after that, you're looking at four full years. I mean, that's a full cycle for everybody. And if they still haven't won it, I mean, the bare minimum is making it, and the expectation should be winning it.
3: Yeah, Alex, I I think you said this on one of the episodes um, this last year, but if the peak of the Sam Ellinger era – is the Sugar Bowl win then i mean that's that is a massive mistake that, that that what a huge opportunity they would have lost and that
5: wasn't really i mean you look back at the last two Sugar Bowl Big 12 teams i mean Baylor also kind of lucked its way and then they didn't lose nearly as much but they won some games that you they shouldn't have won and we kind of looked at Baylor as that lucky Big 12 team the same way we looked at Texas as that lucky Big 12 team um, and that's kind of been what the case has been as far as the second team other than Oklahoma to get in the Big 12 title who was lucky enough to not really mess it up down the stretch um, and so yeah I mean a Sugar Bowl win yeah but you still had four losses and so if after next year all they have is a four loss Sam Ellinger led team then that's to me that's not good enough um, and that would it, it's as simple as that it's just looking at what they have under Sam Ellinger's four years I want, I
0: want to switch gears because because we talked a, a little bit about Devin, and so for so Devin goes, Devin goes to Baltimore. Colin goes to Jacksonville, um, and so I started with you, Marcus. What what are your expectations for both of them in their spots?
3: I honestly, I mean, I think Devin can be. I, I think he can have a pretty quick impact um, on that team. They've they've got some depth at receiver, but at the same time, I think he offers something in the slot that they don't have yet with, with his speed um, and, and with his quickness. And, and I, I think he, he's a guy that could plug and play pretty much anywhere, just as far as his strength and in his, and his hands. Um, he's, a, he's a decent route runner. He's not an elite route runner, but he's, he's good enough to where I think he can plug and play anywhere. So I, I expect him to have an impact as a rookie. Colin, again, it's going to be health. Like that's that's what the whole story was with him this last year and why he dropped in draft stock so much um, after his junior season um, and so it's it's going to be can he stay healthy but but I think if he stays healthy I think he's another guy that could definitely have a a quick impact and and have some um, have some production as a as a rookie. Yeah, I,
0: yeah, I. I feel bad for Colin because he has to go to Jacksonville and they just have bums at quarterback. And, like, you don't know who's going to be throwing them the ball and just, like, Gardner Minshew and everything. I I feel kind of bad. I think Devin, that's that's honestly insane. Like, to have – like, they're going to be able to have Lamar, Mark Ingram, Hollywood Brown, and then Devin if he comes in. Uh, Mark Andrews came into his own last year. Like, their offense is – is legit, and I already know that Harbaugh's gonna gonna find a way if he wants to to put Devin in, in these great positions.
3: I I do feel like with Colin, like Gardner Minshew being kind of like just a big wild card, like that's kind of where Colin made some huge plays in his career. Was just like, I mean, his first breakout game, the USC game, Texas's offense was it <laughs> up on Johnson,
5: so like they had nothing to do that game. Like Sam was just like wide eyed. Oh yeah, Los Angeles. I mean, their
3: their their entire offense was just running fade routes to Colin, it. and and it it kind of worked. Like it it should have won the game, um, and and I mean other plays throughout his career. I another one that I vividly remember was his catch um, in the Big Twelve championship game against Oklahoma um, in the corner of the end zone, and that was kind of like a just a, an extended play where he's just able to go up and make plays over receivers. So I feel like maybe. That could that could be a fit for him, but you're right that he's not getting, like,
5: he's not getting Lamar Jackson, that's for sure. Quick pivot. Is Texas basketball winning the national championship next year?
0: Greg Brown said so. Greg Brown, Greg Brown already said it. Greg, Greg Brown said style. ship it. And watch them still miss the tournament. <laughs> There's no way, right? Watch, em. watch them. Are- watch um, them. They'll, <laughs> they'll find a way. Both There's no way. Earlier today.
4: And early predictions have Texas as a four seed. I
1: saw so- that. had them. Yeah, he had them as a four seed
4: already.
3: Yeah. If you return your entire team and <laughs> a top ten recruit, and you don't make the tournament on a contract year, like you you're asking, good. you're asking to get fired.
5: You have everybody good. back, and somebody who should be balling out in the G League right now and you don't get it done that it I mean for Del Conte I mean this is a pretty easy decision now like it's either you make the tournament or you don't
0: and I mean, that's really it and so like listen I think that they'll probably make it and I think that um I don't know if they'll win a game because um, <laughs> I just think I I, I don't because this is it's just funny like the way the way that that everything always falls, something always goes wrong, and and it's like, okay, like Texas basketball, they're just gonna end up losing, and so it's like they I have think, to win one. And if they don't, he's done. That's it. Get him out of yeah. here. Get, get him out of here. It's he's pretty amazing. Us. It's pretty amazing
2: to me though that like all these players want to play for Shaka, but that's just yeah. that's like like his power. Like what?
4: Uh, I don't just, necessarily know if these players want to play for Shaka so much as they want to play. For Texas, I mean, if you look back at Rick Barnes' old recruiting classes, I mean, Rick Barnes recruited Kevin Durant. Rick Barnes recruited LaMarcus Aldridge and Daniel Gibson and Tristan Thompson and Miles Turner. You know, like Rick Barnes has, like, his own collection of guys that are in the NBA. And I think that the name Texas holds a lot of weight in recruiting. I disagree.
5: I Texas don't think Texas basketball, Texas basketball, basketball doesn't hold anything no. right now. No. Also, Greg Brown even said that if Shaka was gone, he probably wouldn't have gone to Texas. Like, like the <laughs> only reason he came was because of Shaka. If they fired Shaka, Gre- Greg Brown just accepted that multi-hundred-dollar deal, and he's in the G League right now.
4: Greg Brown did not say that if he that if Shaka leaves, he's gone. His dad said that if Shaka leaves, he's gone.
5: Greg- I'm going to trust his dad. <laughs> yeah.
4: Greg- I, I, Greg I think it's said interesting. Wait, 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 wait. Said in his verbal commitment that one of the reasons that he stayed was because he wanted to be in Austin. That's one of the reasons that he, that he committed.
5: I don't, if Shaka's gone, I think he's, I think he's getting paid. For what? He's still probably getting paid, but. I mean, yeah, but, but like, I don't even understand
3: it for him. Like even with Shaka there. Wait, Ross, what were we going to say? I
1: I mean, all I was going to say, I mean, I'll I'll let Marcus touch on that because that's interesting, but you have to think. How much of it, it – I'm not saying it's the majority because I don't think it is either. When you're looking a month ago at Cristo Conte's decision to keep Shaka with all the wild cards surrounding the team at the end of the season and then them not getting to play in the Big 12, him knowing that they probably land Greg Brown only if Shaka's there, like how much of that factors into saying, like, we, okay, we don't get a, a top-20 national player if we don't
5: keep this guy?
0: Probably a lot, I because I mean if you're if you're on the fence and if you're on the fence about it, you want to save a little bit of money, and you're and you you already gave him the benefit of the doubt of oh well we don't know what he would have done because we we couldn't play the tournament, then of course if the top if that that top that top twenty recruit that's money walking in the door, and so you're not going to close the door on 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 money. And so, so yeah, it's a, it's kind of an easy decision. Um, to be sorry, now nah, nah, you yeah. got nah, you got it. To
5: be fair, like I do think, I mean, to Steven's point, like be staying in Austin was big, and yeah. I mean Texas is, is big for him. But for me, I just don't know. If, I mean, Shaq has been recruiting him since he was in like what the eighth grade, seventh okay. grade, in middle school. In I, I yeah, I don't know if. For me, I don't know if I mean if, if the guy that's been recruiting you for five years leaves. I don't know if I would go. Like that just doesn't seem like the right move.
3: And and especially if they don't like, they would have to bring in like a top five coach for him to stay. Because imagine if they just bring in like whoever's available, and and it's not Shaka, the guy that recruited him for five years. Dude, and and there's and there's a there's a six figure salary waiting for you at the G League. Like there's there's just no upside to going to Texas, which I want to touch on real quick that I, I am shocked that he passed that up just, just because I know (laughs) in my head, I would never pass that up. Like six figures right now, especially as an, like as an 18 year old, if I had the opportunity to take six figures to play basketball in essentially the, the second best basketball league in the world, like, Absolutely, one hundred percent.
5: And it wasn't even like it was barely six figures. It was like, what was it, three hundred? Three yeah. hundred for a year.
2: Dang. I'm there. Yeah, I really wonder like how that's going to impact college basketball moving forward if like all the stars go to the G League. That's just I, I don't think- know. It's already kind of a mess already. So.
4: I think that's positive for college basketball. You know, like, now coaches are going to have the opportunity to actually build a program as opposed to just, uh, you know, this influx of one and dones. I mean, you know, imagine if Coach K and John Calipari and Roy Williams can have guys stay who want to be there and build around these key figures for three or four years.
3: But, but, I, don't, but I don't think that makes them better than having five-star recruits every year. Like, Like, I think – because yeah. if, if they wanted to, to build those teams of, of like, three-star recruits, then they they would.
0: They, they couldn't like, do that.
3: Yeah. I I, I feel like there's going to have to be some change to college basketball soon. And because, just because, like, this is, this is a pretty massive thing that we've never seen. I mean, since players were allowed to go out of high school, um, I, I, it feels like there's going to be some – change that college basketball is going to make to try to draw players back. And, and maybe it, it, it will change the one-and-done rules. I, but there, there's got to be something because I don't think college basketball is going to sit back and, and, and take this. Because eventually all the top recruits are going to start going G League. Like there's no reason not to.
0: Well, I think I think one of the biggest things that, that in terms of just like changes is the fact that players can start making money on their likenesses right because then it's because then I because I do believe that there's a a significant like advantage or just it's a it's a very big plus to the college experience right it it's if you don't want to be in on a G League squad taking taking buses and taking planes at three o'clock in the morning and just going out to all these small places or or you can go and be the big fish in in Duke like that's, that's something that's kind of appealing. And if at the same time, let's say like, oh, instead of making my 300000 in the G League, I can go and I can make all, these, all this money. And let's say they come out with like a college basketball game. You can get royalties off of that and do things in that manner. So, and so the difference in the money might be worth it for a couple of people to say, hey, I don't want to do that. I, I actually want to go to college. I just want to be yeah. a college student for, for a year or two.
2: And see I think team. that's a big good point, too. I that I feel like that probably had something to do with Greg Brown choosing to come. I mean cuz you're not
5: a kid anymore. Yeah. After that, like right. you're done. Childhood is gone. Like you were an adult.
4: I think one thing that isn't going to hurt college basketball and you know I think that this was evident, you know, in the old days of college basketball before the one and done rule. Uh, really became a prominent thing is the guys who want to go to college are still going to go to college, like, re- like regardless. Like, if you want to have that college experience, you're going to have that college experience. I mean, you know, like, looking back, you know, don't you think Carmelo Anthony probably could have gone pro right out of high school? Don't you think Paul Pierce probably could have gone pro right out of high school instead of going to Syracuse and Kansas?
5: I think some interesting things to look at are going to be, like, each situation these kids are in and then their families are in like and i mean you kind of touched that we touched that topic with like we saw with scotty pippen like the reason he signed that huge contract was because he had to take care of his family and that's what he valued and i mean looking back like it sucked but i mean that was where his values were at and like you can't that's completely understandable and so i mean there are going to be some high recruits down the road where like this will be tough decisions like they probably would like to preserve like one last year or two years of college of childhood, or taking the three hundred thousand dollars check to give to their family to take care of them for
4: They're the next, for
5: yeah. So I mean, it will be interesting, and it, uh, especially in the next couple of years, whenever we see these cases.
4: I know that uh, I know that LeBron James has said before that one of the reasons that he went straight to the NBA is because he wanted to get his mother out of the situation that she was living in at the time, and he talks about you know I would have loved to. I would have loved to have gone to played for Coach K and played for and played at Camden Indoor or Cameron Indoor and had my jerseys sell out every night the way that Zion did. But he knew that because of the situation that his mother was in uh, and how bad he wanted to get her out, that this was the most feasible option for him was to take that uh, that draft pick payday.
5: Yeah. I guess on the other hand, I mean, if you're Duke or if you're a big program, now you can just start saying like we'll take care of you like (laughs) i don't even know how under the table it needs to be
0: (laughs) basically and plus the the visibility the the visibility factor is a huge thing right because there's not a lot of people that are that are spending tuesday nights right flipping flipping league pass going online to watch these streams of like of like the main Red Claws or something like that. They're not, they're not doing that. But you can turn on ESPN and watch the Super Monday and you'll see, you'll see Duke versus Kansas. You'll see North Carolina versus Michigan State. And so just the idea of nationally, at least with the, with the casual basketball fans, I'll be able to have my name out there a lot more. Um, and so in terms of like endorsements and money that could come later, I think that might set you up a little bit better for, for later money rather than the money right now.
3: Yeah, I I want to touch on the new NCAA regulations, whatever it is. Not not really anything that new, but just kind of the fact that they're moving towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think? How do you guys think that changes recruiting, especially for? I mean, we talk about Duke. Like, if you play basketball for Duke, you're you're gonna get attention. If you play football for Texas, if you play football for Alabama, like you're you're gonna have the opportunity to to get these endorsement deals more so than you know kids from other schools so do you think this will re- change recruiting in favor of the national powers at all or I mean, not really rich get richer
2: yeah i mean like but at the same time even though like money and stuff will be involved i still think people choose schools based like people are going to choose alabama because of like what alabama's done people are going to choose texas because of like the branding so I'm not really sure like how much it'll change that because there's already like a power structure that has been established. Yeah. I, mean, I,
1: I think it's kind of like, I mean, Alex said, like it, it's, it's gonna be depending on people's situations a lot, like the background and their families, um, especially their financial situation now, because that throws this in the mix. And then now that these programs can, can almost completely be transparent, as long as this is going where, um, I mean, we anticipate it going in time, I mean, I think you will have some guys um, think twice about, you know, like forming a big three at Duke, like we saw last year. I mean, I think you're going to have a guy who, if he can be the star at like a Syracuse, um, as opposed to like, you know, the third best player at Duke and and you're already a top 10 player in the nation. I think you're going to see at least some guys in that talent pool, like distribute the wealth a little bit, just in terms of, um, thinking, you know, where can I maximize my market marketability? Like, where can I, um, you know, get the most out of my likeness? And it's probably, you know, me being the number one star somewhere. Uh, I think, yeah. Oh,
2: sorry. sorry. I think, too, like, going back to the whole, like, college thing versus, like, going to, like, G League or, like, whatever, I think there's value um, in, like, going just to, like, so people get familiar with you. Um, so then when you do transition like into the professional leagues people know who you are they want to get behind you but with like g league it's like or like whatever we don't know who these people are you kind of i don't know you get more comfortable with them
0: think the market
4: size has something to do with it and just where you end up playing college football at um if we're if we're if we're talking about football it'd be you know where are you playing college football at like for instance austin has a very very large market you know austin basically has or the university of texas basically has austin and you know it's surrounding area all the way up north to like the dallas panhandle area where oklahoma takes over texas has this amount of it has this amount of influence over the state you know it's it allows you to it allows you to build your name throughout a much larger marketplace i mean you know at like at Alabama or at Florida State or at the University of Florida or Miami, for instance, I think Miami's another great example is at the University of Miami you know its marketplace is this giant metropolis area, and I think that that's something that people are really going to look for now that they can be in things like commercials
0: for sure. For sure. Um, do, does anybody else have anything, anything else that they want to add before, before we get out of here?
5: Do we play a 12-game regular season for college football in the fall?
0: I think so. I mean,
2: maybe that's like not like like an educated answer, but I don't know. I just feel like the way that things are already getting relaxed now, people are gonna try really hard to make college football happen. That's a lot of money. And they're they're not going to try to
4: lose that. If football gets pushed back to January, um, I think what's going to have to happen or what's going to have to happen is you're going to have to script a, a couple maybe all of the non-conference games maybe strip the bye week two and just have everyone rush through their conference schedule so they can get so they can get to uh, championship week if that's still a possibility and then i also think we're going to see, see a serious reduction in uh in the number of games for mid-major conferences you know i, I think i think the smaller conferences like um like uh the sunbelt uh the mac um conference usa i think i think those are the ones that are really at risk
5: i don't know if we see uh, a 12 game regular season especially for those teams that are scheduled to travel like, across the country um, and I know there's been a couple of articles about kind of rescheduling those first three weeks to where you're pretty much playing like in-state opponents, which could be interesting, like especially in the state of Texas. But um, I don't know, just like with this second wave kind of like hovering above us and how much we don't really know. And the fact that we're opening some states as early, I mean, some are already open and some states like Texas opening on Friday. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to see the backlash of that and it's going to push us further back than we were um, like a week ago. So, I don't know. That, that's why I'm hesitant to see. With that being said, I mean, we all know the NCAA, and we know that they're going to try as hard as they can to make this happen. So, we'll see. I, I think, if anything, I think they do like a, maybe like one non-con game in-state or like within a certain region, and then the the conference schedule. Texas
4: will play Rice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think – state- all I'll say is, Dabo Sweeney said we're gonna have a season. So who am I? Who am I to doubt Dabo Sweeney? That's Dude, a good point. If it's up to Mike Gundy, like we would have had this thing rolling.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs>
5: exactly. <laughs> that would be a great Week One matchup: Oklahoma State, Clemson. Just the, just a feeler, just a test. It they at. wanted it. They wanted this.
1: But <laughs> I, I think if we're looking at simply the question of like, is there gonna be a twelve game season? I think the three big variables you're looking at are that. I mean, multiple universities have said, and it's kind of obvious, like if there's not students, like it's not a possibility. Um, I mean, and then two, I mean, are we going to, there's no possible way that like we play a season, a D1 season, right, with half the schools, like that's just not possible. And just to think that, I mean, you're looking at stadiums with capacities of 80,000 people like every Saturday for a consistent 12 weeks on top of, you know, we're already pushing back spring practice and like, who knows when that starts because students won't be on campus in the summer. I think you're like, we've already really made a dramatic push toward what the fall schedule will look like. I mean, you, you, we've seen the mountain West, they've pushed media days to virtual now. So, I mean, that's usually like last week of July. So, I mean, we're right up at the, like the beginning of fall camp right now and we're seeing changes being made to the national schedule. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, a 12-game schedule seems pretty difficult. Um, I mean, we're, I think we're pretty far from like ruling out an entire season. Like, I mean, there's still a lot of wiggle room and like what they can do there, but there's still also like,
5: I mean, so many variables that we just like don't know yet. Between the universities and then broadcast stations and how much money they have on the line it's hard to picture everybody just saying like you know what nothing and i mean if it gets to that point and that second wave is as drastic as it sounds like it could be then that's when it kind of gets real but like you said like the last two months have felt like three years so i don't know what what it's going to look like when we're heading out of july into august
2: um i feel normal which is crazy
5: yeah, I, and I, I was reading tweets about like why, because April felt like it flew by compared to how long March felt, and it's just yeah. a matter of like going through something like completely different um, or unprecedented, and then doing it all over again for another thirty days. So I don't know. What do you, Marcus? What was your answer? I mean,
3: I, I honestly don't see us having a a full season and. Absolutely not with fans. I, I think the yeah. biggest thing there's there's just no way they pack a hundred thousand people into a stadium for the next year. It, it feels like. I mean, it, yeah. even if they even if they allow it, they're not going to get a turnout like that.
5: Well, they they even said like on that New York Times magazine panel that concerts really shouldn't be allowed until twenty twenty one. So, I mean, if you're taking that approach, like why should sporting events be allowed before 2021 with fans at least? Right. And, and, and that's where it
3: gets tricky. Um, But I, I I see us having football and like everybody said, there's, there's way too much money in this to, to just throw away the season. I, I I could see a scenario where um, they do like, like you said, just some kind of, also that's my dog. Oh, I was one. <laughs> <laughs> She's going nuts.
5: That's good timing. i go to the closet real quick. <laughs> Why is she so mad? I I she just does that. I don't know. Um, <laughs>
3: like um, I completely lost my entire train of thought. I don't even.
4: Uh, there's
0: too much money
4: wrapped up.
5: In... Donnie, you should wrap it up now, just so we went to the closet for nothing. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. Anyway, so listen. So I think. I think that I don't think that we're gonna get a full twelve game uh, season. I just think that it's it's gonna be really weird and really hard to to coordinate everything and to make people feel safe and try to create this false sense of like normalcy and try to get back to it as soon as as possible. Um, so so for me, I don't I don't have uh, that much hope that we're gonna get to a regular twelve game season, but. That's all for this week on Texan Overtime Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to follow Texas Sports on Twitter. Read all of our stories on the thedailytexan.com. Shout out to Marcus for going into the closet for no reason. Uh, everybody else, uh, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.
5: Tough stretch for Marcus.